whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 51. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend full of college football, NFL. We're going to cover it all today. We're going to talk about specific games, storylines. You guys have seen the IGTV videos on my Instagram. That is at the Man with the Plan underscore. That is at the MWP underscore. Forgot to, it's just a the MWP underscore. Um, if you look up Man with the Plan, you should get it too. And there's a lot to look forward to. I'm going to start posting regularly there. Start using that more of a source to instantly talk to you guys without having to do the whole process of making a complete episode. That'll be more fun. That You guys seem to enjoy it. It's getting consistent views, so that's good. That's what I like to see. But today, what do we have today? We've got a lot of football. It is all football. It's probably going to be all football for a while till the NBA kicks off, or tips off, I would rather say. So we're going to cover college football in this first little segment. We're going to take a short break. We're going to cut, and then we're going to do NFL. There's a lot I want to talk about on both sides. There is a lot that was really interesting this weekend. It was a good weekend to go home, see the family, see the dogs, unwind, and just sit on the couch and be a little couch potato. That is what I think the the dangers of college football in the NFL season is that I really don't get much done on the weekends other than watch football and just have a lot of predictions and picks, monitor your fantasy teams, see how those things are doing, but a lot of really fun stuff of just being a couch potato for a whole weekend. It's fun. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through the games on Saturday. We're going to go through some storylines, and I just want to address it now so we can get it over with because I know you guys are really interested to see what I think about this. We're going to tear off the Band-Aid really quickly. Clemson is not a playoff team. Rather, they're probably not a near-six team yet. Now, as much as it pains me to say that and say that Clemson's not a playoff team, like, gosh, it really it's, it, po- it tugs at the heartstrings. As a Clemson fan, diehard supporter, student, it really makes me uh, feel upset because I love the team so much. I love the players, but I have to be objective. I have to be on point and I want to have my voice be as honest as possible so all my listeners regardless of who they support can get my honest opinion on all the teams so we gotta just move it on from there so anyways there's a lot of good that we saw on Saturday and there's a really a lot of bad the good came and went as fast as it showed up for NC State it's an upset win that's going to be a signature for their season if they want to take the ACC crown Uh, For Clemson, it is back to the drawing board once again. Two losses to Georgia and NC State were in the, I guess, in the four quarters that they were given before overtime for NC State. Were unable to move the ball in the case of a couple drives. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. And whether you're on the DJ's terrible camp, which I don't think is entirely accurate. You're on the Tony Elliott is terrible camp, which is not entirely accurate either or the offensive line needs work, or if you whatever prediction you have, the unique thing is, is I think you're right, but I also think you're wrong. And I don't think it's a matter of you're wrong and your opinion is invalid. It's a matter of, I think you're right, but I think there's also other things that we need to take into account. I think that injuries are going to start to play a huge role in Clemson's season for the rest of the year. Brian Brzee, Will Shipley, and James Skalski, especially with Brzee, are going to miss significant time. Uh, The offensive line, it's a new group. You're having to replace a quarterback who really knew it all, Trevor Lawrence. Having the best player in the country for three years and then going to a new system, a new transition, 
Not saying DJ's a slouch, because we've seen what he can be. It's just tough. The Arguably the best running back in the country with Travis Etienne. That space needs to be filled, and it just takes time. So having a quote-unquote down year where you're still above 500, have a chance at the ACC championship. Let's say Clemson goes 10-2. and They went out, and NC State drops a couple games. They're right in the spot of getting a near six bowl appearance. And that's a lot of time to get better. So there's a lot of positives that you can take away. And I'm naturally going to be on the positive side instead of sitting here for five minutes and telling you Clemson's terrible. There was a lot of good to take away from NC State. They were fighting. Their defense is unbelievable. One of the better teams in the country on defense. They just need to get the ball moving on offense. I think that DJ had a lot of good throws, a lot of stuff that he can still work on because not everybody's perfect, clearly. But Clemson is a team that needs to adapt and evolve offensively. I think that Tony Elliott is a fantastic coordinator in spots. He's shown that he's capable of calling creative and surprising plays. It's just that we haven't really seen it. We've seen a lot of the same stuff with Clemson. I'd love to see them throw a screen. Not a screen. <laughs> I'm too, I've been watching too many games. I'd love to see them throw trick plays in there or different misdirections just to keep the defenses guessing because I'd love to see them get creative, be a fun offense to watch instead of predictable. There's a lot of good with Clemson. We're going to see how they perform against BC. It'll tell you how mature this team is because there's no more of a conversation. There's not a conversation of playoffs anymore. It's a conversation of just winning games, going out there. A lot of it, they, they can have fun now. I mean, it's not like they haven't been having fun before, but the pressure's really off. There's not a playoff expectation for this team. It's just going out there and fighting personally for some of these players, getting better for the draft, personally for some of these players, getting better just for confidence for next year. So there's a lot that Dabo can use as motivation for his team, and we'll see how mature that Clemson culture has evolved and how much that Clemson culture really meet. What does it mean when they're not in the playoffs? What does that culture stand for? What does that family and brotherhood stand for? Are we going to see 30 Clemson players opt out of the bowl game that they get selected into? Or are we going to see all of them show up and ready to fight? That'll tell you a lot about what Clemson football is all about. I'm excited to see where this goes. And I think you guys are too. Because a lot of you guys on the show are either really Clemson diehards or you can't stand Dabo Sweeney's face. So we'll see how this goes. In other news, a new top 10 team has made a leap. Arkansas. KJ Jefferson and company, they're really solid. They play really great defense. They fly to the football. They play really, really well-balanced football. I love that there's a new team on the block. There's always somebody each year that surprises you, and I think Ole Miss is doing that too, but we've seen Ole Miss get better and better. At least when I'm growing up, Arkansas's really never been the uh, best team in the SEC. They've never been really a top contender. They've always been kind of the butt of the joke. So to see them improve and see them do well, especially after last year where they were really sneaky competitive, it's nice to see them get some credibility and get some uh, recognition on how far they've come. It's a testament to the coaching staff, the culture that they've built. We're going to see it all come together as they play Georgia next week, who I think is the most complete team in the country. I think after the Clemson game, there were some questions about the offense. The defense was flying around solid, but I think JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett, he's really good backup to have, knows the system really well, and he's played a lot of games, so there's not an experience issue. The running backs are solid, James Cook for one. You've got Zamir White, which is really nice to have. You've got excellent receivers. Even without Pickens, they're still able to move the ball with people like Jermaine Burton. I think Georgia's in a really great spot right now. They look really complete. 
there's not really a flaw in their game as of right now. And I think that when they play Bama eventually in the SEC championship game, it could be really interesting because I don't think Bama's the best team in college football. A lot of people have been saying that it's Alabama in the field. I think it's Georgia in the field. I think Georgia's the best team in football right now. And I don't think Alabama's really proven that. Yes, they have beaten a really good Florida team, but I think on defense they looked really weak, really susceptible to certain concepts and plays. I think Georgia could really expose that with a quarterback in JT Daniels who was very similar to what Fromm was his freshman year where he was just a game manager. Didn't try to force anything, didn't make any really stupid errors. He just did what he had to do, has a beautiful throwing motion, beautiful arm, and can hand it off to really talented running backs and dump, dump it off to really talented receivers and a defense that really stands out when pushed. So really excited to see what Georgia evolves into following these next couple games. Arkansas is going to be a big test. I'm really excited for that game, and it's at 12 o'clock. It'll be right after Lee Corso picks them. So we'll see how that goes. I also want to talk about Notre Dame. Finding ways to win. Notre Dame, Brian Kelly is now the winningest head coach in Notre Dame history and deservingly is. He says some really stupid things, some really controversial things at times. But I think Brian Kelly's got this team in the right direction. Jack Cohn, hoping he's okay, haven't seen anything on him yet. They're finding ways to win. They're uh, moving the ball really well on offense. Kyron Williams is a fantastic running back. Jack Cohn is a really great distributor. Their defense, like Georgia, is really complete. Kyle Hamilton's probably one of the better safeties I've seen. There was a play against Florida State three weeks ago, and he zoomed across the field for an interception. I was like, wow, I feel like I'm watching Ed Reed. He's so good. He's got such a high IQ. It's really interesting to see how Notre Dame develops. They play Cincinnati. That'll be a team, that'll be a game where the winner of that's probably got the best shot for the group of five independents of making the college football playoff. And speaking of the college football playoff, I feel like we're jumping off of point to point. But I think that this year, more than others, you're going to find more new faces than you have before because you had Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Not that I'm writing off Ohio State just yet, but there's a lot of interesting teams out there that are really, really fun to watch. Penn State, Iowa, Oregon. You've got Ole Miss and Arkansas. You've got Georgia who's coming back. There's a lot of really fun teams. Baylor and Oklahoma State could make a run in the Big 12. If Oklahoma slips up, they look susceptible to some stuff. They look weak at times. I think that this new playoff format that's coming, it'll include more teams, more variety. But if you could start to introduce that now, be like, hey, Oregon's and Mario Cristobal, they've got a squad up in uh, Eugene. Let's see how they roll against Georgia or how they roll against Alabama. Let's see how a Big Ten team that is really balanced and focused on controlling the clock. How do they go against an air raid style of Alabama that we haven't seen? And it's a new version of Alabama with Bryce Young. There's a lot of different variables that I'd love to see play out. I think it's really good for college football to get more faces, more geographical locations included. You get fans from the West Coast, up north. Michigan could potentially run the table. There's a lot of really good teams out there this year, and that's really good for the sport. It was a down year for some because of COVID, just unforeseeable situations that we really didn't predict and you can't really help. So you see that certain teams are where they should be and even more improving on what they've built on last year, which is really nice and exciting. What to look for next week? Oh man, 
I cannot wait for next week. There's a huge slate of games. Arkansas, Georgia. Arkansas has got their big test. This is probably the biggest game of the program in a while. This could hurl them into playoffs contention, into playoff talk. If they beat a team like Georgia, who I just said is the best team in college football, now they've got a tough test because then they have to go play, uh, I think it's Alabama and A&M, if I'm not mistaken. So they've got the gauntlet headed right for them. Are they ready for it? I think A&M proved to us that they are pretty much are. They can play with the best of the best. Now let's see how they compete against a Georgia team that really means it. Bama Ole Miss, Matt Corral versus Bryce Young. The winner of this, in my mind, wins the Heisman Trophy because I feel like the, the momentum will be so strong that I think the voters will remember this game as a head-to-head matchup if it comes down to the two of them. Cincinnati-Notre Dame, like I said, power, battle of the non-Power 5 playoff game. Whoever wins this has got the best shot. Cincinnati wins. They have a quality win on the schedule. Notre Dame wins. They got a quality win on the schedule. That's all these power, these non-Power 5 teams need. Quality wins, quality scheduling. To see if show the committee that you can compete with the big dogs and then launch them into the top four and let's see what happens. A lot of people think they'll get thrashed by Bama or another school like Georgia at their full strength. But we'll have to see how that goes. And you can't know until you put them in the playoff. But they need a good reason to. Clemson on the ropes at home. BC's a really great football team. Watched them play Missouri this weekend. They were really solid, really well-rounded. They don't have their main quarterback, Dracovic, but uh, they look great. They're 4-0. I feel like they should be ranked. It, I wish it was a ranked matchup because Death Valley, those big games, it'll be really fun to watch. I'm really excited to see how it goes. It'll be beautiful weather. I cannot wait. That is just overall my thoughts on college football week four. It feels like it's going too fast. Not enough time. Not enough time. So we're going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk about the NFL in the same style we just did. Just recapping storylines, players. It'll be fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. This is episode 51 of the Man With The Plan podcast. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is the Man With The Plan podcast, episode 51 you haven't caught up with our other episodes, episode 50 and 49 are out now, wherever you get your podcasts, Niles Pigney interview, and a massive thank you for 50 episodes of this show. So, I want to start with Justin Herbert. So, you're sitting down, let picture this, you're with your family, you're, you got like a brother, and you're like, hey, let's pick some NFL games, and you feel like you're kind of taking a risk with uh, the Chargers. In the past, they've kind of played really well in big games, but they haven't really put it all together. Year two of a Justin Herbert, new head coach, not really sure where the scales are going to tip. But you go with the Chargers anyways because you think that Justin Herbert has something special that you've seen before, and a lot of people agree with you that he's got something special. And then he comes out in Arrowhead in a massive, massive way, throws multiple touchdown strikes, the receivers are flying. The defense is making plays, causing turnovers. And suddenly you're thinking, the Chiefs are 1-2. and two. How did this happen? And Justin Herbert is your dark horse MVP candidate. I think that Justin Herbert is easily a top 12 quarterback in the NFL right now. I think that the AFC West is going to be a tough climb for the Chiefs to overcome. 
the Chiefs are one and two. And in the last three games that they've played, they've given up over 30 points each time. Cleveland, Baltimore, and L.A. Now you're going to tell me, hey, those are tough teams. And I'm going to say the Chiefs are supposed to be the best team in football next to Tampa Bay. And even Tampa Bay doesn't look that great right now, which is really shocking to hear and to say out loud. But I think that they're probably going to wipe New England next week, but we won't have to talk about that. But I want to say this about Kansas City. Let's say Cleveland didn't fumble that punt and they were able to convert, keep Kansas City at bay. Are we talking here with Kansas City sitting at 0-3? They've made costly turnovers. Mahomes making really idiotic mistakes, a no-look pass that gets picked off means you probably shouldn't use the no-look pass ever again. And we've seen this no-look pass get, like, sailed into the stands. It's weird. I don't know why he keeps doing it when it clearly doesn't work anymore. Not saying that, like, he can't do it, because he clearly can. But it's just such a risky move in such a close game. Why try to be fancy when they got the guy right there? I think that uh, Mahomes is trying to do too much, especially with a defense that isn't getting it done. I think the Chiefs got a difficult situation ahead of them they have a really really bad defense really awful defense the corners they're not really getting as much pressure they're not causing turnovers I mean they did against Baltimore with a with a Lamar Jackson two picks Tyron Matthew had a pick six to start the game you're like oh okay but then Baltimore was able to come back and they had costly mistakes costly turnovers Mahomes has thrown September interceptions we've never heard of that before have we I think that Super Bowl 53, 54, God, there's so many of them, 55. Super Bowl 55 did a lot for the NFL, showing that the Chiefs are definitely beatable. You don't need to be afraid of them. you got to get pressure on Mahomes, and you just got to score points, put pressure on their defense. They're not top five by any means. Maybe they're not even top 15. You can get a lot of things done against Kansas City. It's just that offense and that idea of Kansas City is so daunting that you're just sitting, you're figuring out how to overcome it and you end up overthinking it. And I think that that's the key to the NFL. Don't overthink Kansas City. Put pressure on Mahomes. Contain him. Keep those short intermediate passes that set up those big shots to Tyreek Hill. Keep them down. Keep them locked in. And I think you've got a winning formula. I think for the Chargers, it's all about staying consistent from here. You're going to have to climb along with the Chiefs because the Raiders and the Broncos look really, really good. Granted, the Broncos haven't really played anybody, but 3-0 and for Denver... A team that's struggled to get wins consistently, that's good for them. The Raiders look really solid. I thought they were, they were in for a meltdown against the Dolphins down 14-0. They're 3-0. and There's a lot of surprises this year in the NFL. Those two teams are one of them. I did not think that Gruden was going to be able to put it together, this kind of team, especially with all the stuff we've heard, the drafts they've had. They have found a way to play really great football. Really great defense. They stood together in overtime when Jacoby Brissett made some unreal plays. Unreal. In tough situations. No timeouts. you got to scramble for a fourth and goal and find the guy. That's ridiculous. It's insane. Miami's going to have some issues that need to work out. We'll get into that. I think the next thing that we need to uh, address is that there are certain teams that are just disappointing this year so far. And it's also three weeks. Let's not... I'm going to try to press my not overreaction button. We have three teams that I did not think would be one and two. Seahawks, Chiefs, and the Pats. I thought all of them would at least be two and one. New England's had some tough ones. Seattle's had some tough ones. And Kansas City could be 0-3 right now. Disaster. Great stuff, though. New teams, new faces. 
Let's see how Kansas City responds. How mature is this team? Like I said with Clemson, how mature is this team when they go through adversity? There's a lot of teams that are going to be facing the gauntlet. How do they respond? I want you guys to keep an eye on Detroit. I think that when Dan Campbell was hired, I was of many, many, I was the one of many to be a little bit questioning, a little bit, it was a little bit of a questionable hire. You were like, what, what, what is this guy doing? kneecaps what are you talking about man like let's let's calm down let's chill let's chill out and it was kind of comical you're like well i guess detroit needs this kind of guy that needs that energy who doesn't really care what you think and he's like we're gonna bite your kneecaps off but it's just so strange you're interested every time they take the field because of that personality head coach and the lions have looked actually pretty competitive now they're not going to win a lot of games this year just because of the team and the roster they have but they looked really nice Really good against a Baltimore team that just came off a huge win against Kansas City. A Baltimore team that can move the ball relatively easy. They had a great defensive strategy against Lamar Jackson. They were containing him. They were keeping him from making big plays with his legs. The receivers were making costly errors. Detroit capitalized. It looked like a well-rounded football team. Jared Goff was making good throws. Now, the Justin Tucker kick. Let's talk about that for a second. 66 yards is insane. I didn't think that was even possible. It doinked, and then it went in. It could have gone either way. So Detroit, unlucky, but I think we need to keep an eye out for him. I think Dan Campbell's a much better coach than I originally thought, and I think he's got this team believing they can win games. They just got to put it all together. So the Rams might be the best team in football. So I think all offseason, and even still beforehand, you were claiming Tampa Bay to be repeat champs. Kansas City was struggling, so you're like, okay, it looks a little easier for Tom Brady to repeat, right? Wrong. The L.A. Rams, so they went out and they needed a big QB, a guy that could win games, fit this really electric style of offense with McVay. They got out and got Stafford. And Stafford, in his first big test as a Ram, proved it in a big way, winning in a massive statement, I think it was 34-24, but it was not the score was not indicative of what a blowout it was. They were flying across the field. They were kicking Tampa Bay's you-know-what. Brady had the look. Brady was getting pressured. They got a perfect combination of good corners and fantastic interior D-line play, which is something that Brady struggles with. You've seen the Giants do it in 07 and 11. Matt, if you're watching, I know that this is making you giddy just to hear about. But I think that the Rams made a statement win. They're going to be a team to compete with in a really tough division. 3-0 and is a good start. I think they're much better than San Francisco right now, and I think it's because of the quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford's in the perfect spot right now. The perfect spot. I think that uh, the Rams really could be a team, if they get home field advantage, that beautiful stadium in SoFi, they could be a really tough team to travel to, especially if you're on the East Coast. you got to do a time change, all that other stuff, all those other factors. They could be a really tough team to face come November, December, and then eventually January. I want to talk about the rookies real quick, the quick rookie report. So, Trevor Lawrence, it's been rough. A lot of picks and not a lot of results. I think that the Jaguars are getting better each week, but better how? <laughs> better how? They're 0-3, but you're like saying, oh, well, they competed with Cardinals yesterday. They had some nice plays. That Jamal Agnew play was pretty insane. I think Trevor Lawrence has a lot to learn. They're going off of their first read. They're panicking. They're holding onto the ball too long. And this is for all rookie QBs. Justin Fields had a hellish day, sacked nine times. Mac Jones 
laid an egg, three interceptions, two of which I would say aren't his fault, but the other one was more of a desperation heave. But all rookies looked unflattering. It looked, it didn't really look that great for them all. But I think it's just of them, it's just a process for them. They need to learn how to be rookies. They're going to have these moments, some more than others. It's all about putting it together. They've started very early. Not a lot of people thought Mac Jones would start early. Not a lot of people thought Fields would see the field early. So it's all about putting it all together, letting these guys work through those mistakes and build off of it and learn. And th- these guys are hardworking kids. None of them are really personality problems or trouble that I've heard of. So I think it's all about just for them making sure they get better each week and making sure that their team is confident. And I think they're all worthy of playing in the NFL. They have the talent. It's just about taking it and putting it all together. And I'm really excited to see where they put this. Really excited to see where they take it. Because they all are really talented and really fun to watch in college. And they've been fun so far to watch in the NFL. So the Bengals got a signature win. I think we're going to stop here. Joe Burrow wasn't sacked at all on Sunday. Not once. I think for him, he sees that stat line. He's like, I know. I didn't, I didn't touch the ground on Sunday. This is weird. This is what it's supposed to be like. He had a fantastic game. They had a couple stupid plays, a couple things that Burrow can still continue to learn from. He's still a rookie in game time. He hasn't really played a full season yet. And uh, Pittsburgh looks really tough. It looks really bad. After a fluke win in Buffalo, I'm going to call it a fluke win, they've looked pretty flat these last couple weeks. I think that Big Ben is probably really hurt, but he's also at the end of his rope. He's at the end of his line. It's not like a it's like a breeze situation where you can kind of clearly tell that it's starting to fall off and he needs to get out when he can. It's not like with Brady where it was week 39 he was still slinging it. Roethlisberger just looks kind of there. There's nothing really to it, and it feels weird to say that because he's been so good for his entire career, Hall of Fame quarterback for sure. It's just weird. I was like, man, he looks kind of average, making really questionable throws. Not really mobile, not really evading sacks and doing his Big Ben-esque techniques and traits. It was weird. Really weird. But for the Bengals, a signature win. Zach Taylor gets a really nice signature win. I think it looks really good for the the Bengals. They're going to put it all together. I think Burrow, it's confidence builder for him, especially after the ACL injury, getting sacked so many times. Everything for the Bengals, it looks really good. Two strong wins against the Vikings and the Steelers. Really happy for him. Really happy for Joe Burrow. What you should look for next week, Brady's back. The most awkward reunion of all time is going to take place on Sunday. Get ready for the awkward press conferences of, what do you think of Mac Jones, Brady? What do you think of Belichick, Brady? Belichick, what do you think of Tom? Or, McDaniels, do you miss your boy, Brady? Stuff like that. Burrow versus Trevor. Two number one overall picks. It's going to be fun. Thursday night football. Good choice. Good choice, NFL. The Panthers get a big test. And the Panthers really did something. That was really good. Traded for C.J. Henderson. Absolutely fleeced the Jaguars. Traded away Dan Arnold in the fifth, and they got a third-round pick. It was, I think it's got a, they got a draft pick and C.J. Henderson. I'm not sure if it was the fifth or the third, but I think that the Panthers did what good teams do. They saw the hole, and they filled it as quick as it left. So, good for them. I think that they're really all in on this year. They think they can do something special. It shows you the confidence they have in this team and in this organization. They got a big test against Dallas next week. The battle of the unbeaten Cardinals-Rams. Who takes first place in the NFC West after the first quarter of the season? My money's on the Rams, but I think the Cardinals are going to be a team to stay. They'll be a really interesting team to watch moving forward. 
All right. So that was the NFL week. F- oh, wow. Week four. God. It's flying by, guys. It's flying by. I cannot wait for more football. We'll be updating regularly all week. I'll have my thoughts on Instagram Live on the Cowboys-Eagles game tonight. This episode's either going to come out tonight or tomorrow morning, so just stay tuned. I don't know why I'm telling you this, because I'm the only one that's going to hear it until you guys see it. (laughs) So that's kind of just an awkward segment for you guys to leave off on. But my name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast. Stay safe. Have a great week. And as always, take care.